Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. IKP. Let <clears throat> it get it started. Let it get it started. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Turn down a little bit. Okay. Um, <clears throat> welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast, the IKP. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. We're back at it. We're back at it. Wednesday episode. We're back at it. Let's get it. Um, <clears throat> first and foremost, I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kid of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Uh, I am doing well. Hope you guys are doing fine as well. Uh, I got to read some of you guys' uh, comments and so forth. If you want some NBA playoff talk, uh, I'm going to get into that. <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to actually have uh, a couple guests scheduled to come on onto the pod to talk about the NBA playoffs and to give some NBA playoff predictions. So I will I will dive into a little in, into a little bit, and I do want I do want to talk about a potential matchup that could very well happen. Um, so I am going to talk about that, but I do have a guest, um, a couple guests coming on over the next couple of days or over the next couple of episodes, I should say, to talk about and discuss the NBA playoffs. I think the play-in tournament starts next week, if I'm not mistaken. So I think most teams. Like, I know for the Lakers, they have, like, four games left. They have, like, yeah, I think the Lakers have, like, four games left. So most teams have four, like, three to four games left. And, you know, then there's the play-in tournament. Then that's where we have uh, the playoffs. So I will – I am going to – next the next – this whole – trust me, this whole month, it's going to be a lot of NBA playoff talk, a lot of NBA playoff content. For sure, a lot has transpired. Um, not well. Then again, not gonna say a lot, but um, I'm gonna I'm gonna get to uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars and Urban Meyer. They've made some eye popping news. I will talk about that, and I don't like it. Um, but I'm gonna start with Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook, as a lot of you guys know, um. <laughs> from time to time, I can be a bit critical of Russell Westbrook, and and to be fair, I'm I'm very critical of Westbrook. I am, and but but I th- my my criticism as of, of Westbrook, I, I I just haven't talked about it or displayed it recently because I have come to grips to who or to what Russell Westbrook is as a player. So my criticism, I mean, it's. It it, it 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 often becomes repetitive in the Russell Westbrook slander. It often becomes competitive, repetitive as well. It just becomes repetitive. So I told myself, hey, I've like I told you guys when he got traded to the Wizards, I thought the Wizards would be a playoff team. They're not quite a playoff team. They're in the play-in, so <clears throat> I think they have a good shot to get into the playoffs. But the big news: Russell Westbrook becomes triple double king. He becomes Mr. Triple-Double. Monday night versus the Atlanta Hawks, despite the loss, they lost, the Wizards lost 125-124. to 124. Russell Westbrook, he surpassed Oscar Robinson for all-time career triple-doubles 
with 182 career triple doubles. Um, as I've mentioned, Oscar Robinson was the previous record holder. Russell Westbrook smashes that and he surpasses that, and he's the triple double king, right? So, as I already said, I have been on. I mean, I've you guys have heard me, me, a lot of my listeners, they know that I'm very critical of Russell Westbrook. And his his play style is not really conducive to um, winning championships or winning basketball per se. But this is who Westbrook is, and I told and I told you guys this. This is why I have come to grips with Westbrook, and this is why you don't hear you don't hear like Russell Westbrook criticism for me from me because I have come to grips to I know what Russell Westbrook is. Now, there's some people I'm not going to continue to bring up the same critiques that I always have brung up, like the lack of efficiency, uh, the, the, the shot selection could be off at times, the tur- you know, it can be a high turnover guy. I can, you know, I can bring up all of these things. I mean, and it's it, it just becomes repetitive at points. Like the the criticism and the slander becomes repetitive. It just becomes repetitive. So I so with me, I just have I just have not. I don't know if you guys noticed. I just have not talked about Russell Westbrook a lot because I I know what he is. I've watched him long enough to know what he is as a player, and I must say, he is as dynamic. He is as he is as athletic as any player to ever play basketball. He's he's he, he's just that damn athletic and that dynamic. And I would pay top dollar to go watch him play. I, I just would because he's this that he's he's that entertaining. He's entertaining to watch. You, I mean, he he gives uh, he, one thing about Westbrook, and I've always I always have said this about him. He gives it 100%. You don't have to you don't ever have to question or worry about Russell Westbrook not giving it his all. You don't you don't you don't you don't ever have to worry about him not giving 100%. He gives I think sometimes he over he over exerts himself to me at, at sometimes. Sometimes. But you so that just goes to show you the motor that he has. He has a. He just has a. I, I, I love. I like his mentality. I like the motor. You don't ever have to question whether or not if he loves. He loves basketball, and you don't ever have to question or not is he competing or you know. Westbrook is all about competing. Now, like I said, there's other thing. There's there's some big flaws in critiques in his game that a lot of people point to that I have pointed to, and that that. With that, that has overall just not that that has enabled him to not being able to win championships or have postseason success due to those, you know, due to the lack of uh, efficiency with a jumper, uh, a lack of consistent jumper, uh, you know, turnover the basketball and so forth and the shot selection and all this good stuff. That's that 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 is the reason why he can't win, and he's not. And that's like his style, his his play style, just does not win championships. But for him to have this many triple doubles, he's averaged so many. Like at this point, when he first did it, it was like, oh wow, 
Westbrook did that. He averaged a triple-double. We haven't seen that since Oscar Robinson. But now when he does it, it's like, yeah, it's just another day in the park. And this guy, once again, this year in 62 games, he's averaging 22, 11, and 11. So he's having another year where he's averaging a triple-double. And it just becomes it becomes ridiculous at this point because it's like, wow, this guy really can do that. And I I don't want to diminish the triple-double stat because if it was like some people say, oh, it's easy to do now in today's game. And, oh, okay, that, so you can make that argument. But if, if it was that easy, more and more guys would be averaging triple-doubles. Like as much as I like Luka – um, as much as I like Nikola Jokic, and those guys are like triple-double machines themselves, Wesley Westbrook is on a different level when it comes to these triple-doubles. He's on a different level. He just is. He, he, he just is. But I think last night against the Hawks, uh, or Monday night, I should say, against the Hawks, it was the, it was the, it was the tale of the tape. It was the tale of Wesley Westbrook's career. It just was. It was the tale of Wesley Westbrook's career. You know, great stats, great numbers. You get to see how dynamic and how exciting he is. He had some he had some really exciting plays in between. And then at the last minute, he missed the game-winning shot. And actually, and surprising enough to me, this year, Wesley Westbrook has been really good in the clutch. Like, he's been really good in the clutch which is usually not his thing but th- and but this year this year in particularly he's been really good in the clutch so I'm not going to hold that against him too much but you know they lost the wizards lost <laughs> and it was just like yeah this is who Westbrook is and that's why I, and that's why I don't like if Westbrook Westbrook didn't accomplish what he accomplished I wasn't going to come on here and talk about the wizards lost to 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 the hawks I wasn't going to talk about Russell Westbrook missing that jumper because I, I just I just don't find the need to point out his criticisms as much as I used to because I know who he is. And I've often said, I've often said, Russell Westbrook is this generation's Island Iverson. Island Iverson is iconic. Island Iverson is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Russell Westbrook, iconic. Russell Westbrook. First ballot Hall of Famer. Allen Iverson was a trendsetter. Allen Iverson was very fashionable. He was very fashionable. You know? Like he really, he really took he took a left. He took a detour left in terms of the dress code. And that's where like the NBA was like, hold up. <laughs> Allen, you know, he, he took a left. He took a hard left <laughs> with the dress code within within the NBA's dress code. And then Russell Westbrook, as we know, Russell Westbrook wears some really um he 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 Russell Westbrook address. So I, I he's so I've I summed it up like this. Russell Westbrook is this generation's Island Iverson. Island Iverson is iconic, he's influential, he's he was dynamic as well, and very entertaining to watch. And really, you know, he's a good guy to root for. But we all know Allen Iverson's play style. It's not going to win your championship. His play style is not conducive to building a championship team um, and, you know, winning multiple championships. And that's okay. But Allen Iverson, will, he, will, he will 
forever be iconic, influential, um, and a first battle hall of famer. And with Russell Westbrook, he's found his niche. He's found this thing, the triple double. That's the triple double. And for now on, and I mean, we I've kind of already have summed this up. I knew this day would come where he would become the all-time leader in triple doubles. I knew this day would come because I've been I've been forever calling him. This is his thing, the triple double king. He's Mr. Triple Double. So whenever you hear the term or whenever you hear the, the word triple double, you know what's gonna come to mind? Russell Westbrook. And for that, he's gonna be iconic. He's gonna he's very influential. He's dynamic. And he's going to be a first battle Hall of Famer. But in terms of winning a championship, he's not going to do that. And that's okay. Because get this. Every, and I don't, and, and it's kind of a, it's kind of, I'm, I, I have fallen victim to this too. But not everybody's going to win championships. Like, not everybody's going to win championships. So, Wesley Westbrook, a, a congratulations to him. Um, I, I think he's had a great career. As I've already said, he is this generation's Island Iverson. He's, he's this generation's AI. He's this generation's AI, both influential, both are iconic for their own, in their own rights. Both are no doubt first ballot hall of famers. Both are very, um, fashionable, (laughs) but both are very fashionable. And they're both like they both have similar mentalities. Like they just want to go out and ju- they're just so competitive. So I I love those two guys for that for those reasons. But it's just who I've just come to grips with who Russell Westbrook is. That's all. That's all. And I've done and I've done that for a while now. For almost like a like I, I haven't brought up Westbrook a lot on this podcast. I mean I I, I really haven't. But this is who he is. And I have no problem with it. I've just have, I, I just hope people come to grips with it as soon as I did because it took me a while. I was very critical of Westbrook, and I, I still can be, but I choose not to be because I've come to grips, and this is who he is. Um, and I heard Scott Brooks say he's the second greatest point guard of all time. First, that's incorrect. That's it. That's that's I don't know what Scott Brooks was smoking, or I don't know. I don't know what he was doing. I don't know. I don't know, and I know Scott Brooks. He's probably he, he he probably has a really good relationship with Westbrook because Scott Brooks coached Westbrook in OKC. Now he's in Washington, so they probably have a really good relationship. First off, he's not a Russell Westbrook is not a point guard. He is a hybrid guard. And shouts out to Rashad Phillips, aka Yoda, with coming up with the term and trying to redefine basketball positions. Which I I am I am totally with and I totally agree. So shout out to to Rashad Phillips with the terminology. But Russell Westbrook is a hybrid guard. He's not a point guard. He's a hybrid guard. So first, so secondly, he's not the second greatest point guard of all time at all. He's a hybrid guard. So yes. So Scott Brooks was wrong with that. But Westbrook, like I said, once again, congratulations to Russell Westbrook for becoming the all-time leader in NBA triple-doubles. Like I said, at some point, I knew this day would come where he would surpass Oscar Robinson in triple-doubles because he does it like very, like Westbrook does it frequently, and he he just has made it his thing. It's his niche. Um, 
And I have come to grips with who Russell Westbrook is. Simple as that. I think the more people, I think the more people try to come to grips with who he is as a player, the the slander it will it will it, the slander will be limited because like yeah we know he's not a good shooter yeah we know he's not um the the best uh facilitator at times yeah we know he can be a bit hard to get along with but he's a ultra competitor um he he leaves it a hundred percent every night on the court I love him for that but this is who he is I've come to grips with who Russell Westbrook is. Um, and I'm gonna get to the Jacksonville Jaguars and Urban Meyer, um, and Tim Tebow. I, I thought I would, I, I thought I would never see the day. Um, I'm gonna get back to that. Okay. <laughs> so let's get to this Tim Tebow, um, stuff. So the Jacksonville Jaguars, they went on to sign 33 year old Tim Tebow. Um, and Tebow, a couple weeks ago, I, 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 I saw this story. I did not pay this uh, this story no attention because I was like, okay, it's just, okay, he wants to try out, okay. They won't sign him. And Lord and behold, the Jacksonville Jaguars, a couple weeks later, signed Tim Tebow to play as a tight end. As a tight end. As a tight end. And as you guys may know, um, uh, my older, or you guys, the, the my younger listeners may know, but Tim Tebow is very polarizing. Tim Tebow, uh, great. He had a great college career at Florida with Urban Meyer. They won two national championships. Um, and then in the NFL, he had a brief stint. He, uh, they had. It was this. It was something called Tebow time, where he would do some heroics and he would. The Broncos would win some close games, some nail-biter games. And if you want to be honest, it was mostly because the Broncos had a great defense. So the, the defense kept them in a lot of games. And and Matt Prater was able to make 50 and 60 yarder field goals. That was that like that was the that was the gist of it. Tebow would make a play or two, but it was really not it wasn't Tebow time. It was just it, it was it was a global it was a national phena- phenomenon um, around the sports world when t- when this was when this thing happened. But we all know Tim Tebow was not good enough to play quarterback at the NFL level. We all know Tim Tebow was not good enough to be a franchise quarterback at the NFL level. Uh, and now he comes back, he resurrects, and he comes back eight years. Eight years. He's been he's been he's been out of the league for eight years. Um, a couple years ago, you remember, or a few years ago, you guys remember he tried to play baseball. He played baseball in high school, didn't play baseball in college, um, and they tried out for the Mets. He played on the Mets uh, minor league team. He thought he could try to you know make a comeback in baseball. Didn't happen. Um, and now he's back in the NFL. As a 33-year-old, and when the season starts, he'd be 34, trying to play tight end. This is absolutely atrocious. This is absolutely this is absolutely ridiculous. It's a, it's ridiculous, and it's nothing against Tebow because I like Tebow. Like I think Tebow is a very I think he's a good guy. Um, I I like the fact, and he's so polarized because you know he's faith based. 
you know, he 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 he's very open with he with his relationship with God, and people love it, and I like it too. I like it. I like Tim Tebow, but he's not a good he's not a good football player, and that's where this divide. Like that's why, as crazy as it may sound, and this is why this topic or this, yeah, this is why this topic is so split because so many people love Tim Tebow. Like I said, you know, his relationship with God, he's very open about it. He's faith-based. You know, he gives out motivational speeches and, you know, he has the speech and all that. But then the football guys are like, hey, hold up. You know, hold up. You can't throw a football worth a lick. And now he's trying to play tight end. And this, and, 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 He's just not the athlete he was. Ten, and it's so funny because back then, when Tim Tebow got into the league, like in his his first stint in the NFL, people were telling him, "Hey, Tim Tebow, you should play tight end." And he would, he would, he wasn't interested. He didn't want to play tight end. But it's so funny because that's what, like, he should have played tight end ten years ago. But now he wants to play tight end. He never played it in high school. He never played it in college. And he never played it his first stint. He played one. He has one career snap as a tight end. One. (laughs) He's never played tight end. And now he's expected to play tight end. Now, like I said, I have have nothing against Tim Tebow. It's just the mere fact that he got a job. There's, There's a multitude. There's a list of guys, of tight ends. I'm looking at it right now and in front of me on my screen. Um, there's a list of tight ends that are that have proven more than Tim Tebow at the tight end position. Like they're they're more proven than Tim Tebow at the tight end position. That don't have jobs, that that are currently free agents. I have a list of tight end free agent tight ends right now who have done more than Tim Tebow. At the tight end position, and that's not very hard to do. <laughs> that's not very hard to do. Um, and 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 this this whole thing goes. This whole situation, it goes back to Urban Meyer, and it goes back to the big question. You know, because Urban Meyer, great all time, great college football coach. Now he's trying to make the transition to the NFL, and the big question for Urban Meyer was. Can he handle the locker room? Can he handle? Because these are not kids. College, those are kids. College is college. Like the college coach is like another. It's supposed to be like another parent. Like that's supposed to be like another parent. But these are grown men. These are grown men. In a, can you handle an NFL locker room? Can you handle the sensitivity with the players? Can you handle it? And this is now two red flags in Urban Meyer's short tender as the Jacksonville Jaguars coach. And he hasn't even coached a game. He hasn't even coached a game yet. And he has two red flags. First, he tried to hire strength and conditioning coach from Iowa, Chris Dole, who had some, um, let's just say, sketchy. Uh, he, he, who had a sketchy pass. I talked about, I talked about that situation before. Um, but let's just say Chris Dole had a sketchy pass. He, you know, he had, he said some race, he made some, he was very racially insensitive, um, towards players at Iowa. So he had that going on. Urban Meyer hired him. 
it didn't it didn't last like he ended up happening to fire or resign whatever what a couple days later he the Jacksonville Jaguars and Urban Meyer were, were receiving a lot of heat so they re, he resigned and you know fired him or whatever um and that didn't last and now we have this this the second red flag him signing Tim Tebow Urban Meyer and the Jacksonville Jaguars signing Tim Tebow. And as Urban Meyer being the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I, I think in one of those press conferences, he may have said this already, um, but I'm paraphrasing. His job is to make the, the is to make the Jacksonville Jaguars better. His job is to acquire players that will make the Jacksonville Jaguars better as an organization. How does Tim Tebow f- fulfill that? Like, how does he make the Jack? How does he make the Jacksonville Jaguars better? He's a third. He's going to be thirty-four years of age. Thirty-four. Thirty-four years of age. And 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 the thing with me is the reason why I I, I despise and the reason why I don't like this move at all. It's because first, there's many players, many players that are more deserving than, T- Tim, than Tim Tebow to get signed as a tight end with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So there's so he's taking up a roster spot. He's taking up a roster spot that could be fulfilled by another player who's actually qualified, who's actually qualified. And I, I feel like we have this, and due to the figure that Tim Tebow is, um, and obviously the relationship, like if you don't like if you don't think Urban Meyer's relationship with Tim Tebow has has anything to do with if you don't think this that their relationship has nothing to do with this, you're absolutely crazy. You're absolutely ridiculous if you don't think their relationship doesn't have anything to do with Tim Tebow or the Jacksonville Jaguars signing Tim Tebow as a tight end. So, so we know Tim Tebow is like that, you know, and Urban Meyer, that's like, that's like Tim, that's like Tebow's mentor and so forth, but I just don't get it. I just don't get this move at all. Um, but this is now two red flags. And first, and and also, it also takes away it, 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 Tebow adds, as I mentioned, he adds unnecessary attention. And so far, I've liked what I've I've liked what the Jacksonville Jaguars have done as far as like player personnel up until now. Like everything they have done, obviously drafting Trevor Lawrence, but also some other draft picks that they made. I like. I like what they did. I like what they've done. And as I told you guys, I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be better than what people think. But I don't like this. I don't like these signs from Red. I don't like these signs from Urban Meyer. Because now these are two red flags, two red flags so far in Urban Meyer's short tender with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And he hasn't even coached a game yet. He hasn't even coached a game. But this is is now two red flags. This makes two red flags about the big question. Can Urban Meyer handle the locker room? And for all we know, Tim Tebow may not – he may not even make the team. I doubt he makes the team because I just don't see how, like Tim Tebow, at the, at, at this advanced age, 
He's thir- he's going to be 34 going into the season. He's not the athlete that he once was eight to ten years ago. How in the hell is he going to block? How in the hell is he going to block a guy like Miles Garrett? <laughs> like, how is he going to block an outside linebacker like TJ Watt? Like, <laughs> like how is he going to block those guys? He's not going to be able to block those guys. Those guys are going to go at his head. They're going to attack him. There's no way. There's no There's no way on God's green earth that Tim Tebow is going to be able to line up with, I mean, Miles Garrett, he's an all-pro. He's. It's no way Miles Garrett is going to be able to line up with an average defensive end. An average defensive end would kill Tim Tebow. He would. He would. He would demolish Tim Tebow. So I just don't know how this makes the Jacksonville Jaguars a better team. Um, I think this is Tim Tebow using his privilege. I have no problem. Like I said, I have no problem personally with Tim Tebow. It's just the mere fact that the Jacksonville Jaguars signed him, and there's so many more. There's so many more tight ends that are more qualified to do the job or to get the job than Tim Tebow. And you have to ask yourself, okay, this move, this personnel move, does not. This doesn't make the Jacksonville Jaguars a better team. So then you have to ask yourself. So why did they sign him? Why? What? What's behind this signing? And it's like you, like the Jacksonville Jaguars, they don't need any more attention. They got Trevor. You drafted Trevor Lawrence, so Trevor Lawrence is high profile himself. He's he's a prodigy. He's one of the more you know, like Urban Meyer, all time great college coach, making the change and making the transition to the NFL level. You don't need any more attention. And that's all Tim Tebow brings is attention. That's all he's gonna bring. That's all he's gonna bring. So I don't understand this move, and I don't like this move, and it's not a good start to Urban Meyer's coaching career in the NFL. It's not a good start. It is not a good start because I don't like this. I don't like this at all. Okay, 30 minutes in. We're 30 minutes in, and I'm gonna shift to the Phoenix Suns. Um so at the beginning of the you know at the beginning of the podcast, I was referring to a playoff matchup that may very well happen. Well, I was talking about the Phoenix Suns being the two seed and the LA Lakers being the seven seed. But before I get to that, I want to talk about the Suns improvement, the Phoenix Suns improvement, because it's been a it's been a really talk it talked about and controversial and heavily debated upon NBA Twitter, NBA Instagram, and all these other platforms and so forth. And I think if you don't add the proper context of the Phoenix Suns improvement this year, it, it could really it could really debunk some arguments. Um and obviously like the CP3 for MVP. CP3 in my opinion, I think he I think he is a MVP candidate. I would. I don't think he's. He's not my MVP. Um, I, I think if at this point I would have to probably go Jokic, Nikola Jokic for MVP. But Chris Paul, in my opinion, I think he's a candidate. Um, but I don't think he should win it. In in my opinion, I don't even think he's second. Now, as you guys know, that I like Chris Paul. I like CP3 a lot. 
And I do think there is there is I think there is a such thing as like the Chris Paul effect. Like anywhere he goes, they like any team he goes to, they do start to win. There's a winning trend. It's a trend. It, it it's happened practically everywhere he's gone. That is that's facts. But I think the Chris Paul effect has been overstated, especially with this particular circumstance with the Phoenix Suns. Now, the Suns have improved, but you got to add context. Has Chris Paul made the Suns a better team? Yes, he has. He has made them a better team, ultimately leading them, getting them to the second seed. Yes, he's made them a better team. But to what extent? To what extent, though? Because, yes, he's a big part. He, he, he did help the Suns evolve and emerge as one of the better teams in the Western Conference. But I think this Phoenix Suns team was on the rise prior to Chris Paul arriving. And you like, and let's just date, that's just date back to last year. Obviously, last last season, the Phoenix Suns, when they got in the bubble, they were undefeated. They went eight and zero in the bubble. Absolutely, okay. So everybody knows that. Everybody always refers refers back to that. But I think it's also another thing to point out is during that season last year. DeAndre Aiden missed 25 games due to PED use, something of that sort, like substance, you know, some, it had something to do with PEDs. So he, so Aiden missed 25 games, uh, star big man for the Phoenix Suns. He missed 25 games last year. But the thing that does not get talked about nearly enough is that same season last year, the Phoenix Suns from January up until the bubble, the Suns were uh, uh they were an above 500 team. So basically when DeAndre Aiden came back from his suspension um and then you and then you group everybody in as far as like the role players along with the along with the star abilities of Devin Booker, they were a they were a team above 500 in the Western Conference from January on. From January on, they were a team last year that was 500 and above. That's facts. Not to and, and then you know, I, I, and I and I credit I credit no layups. Um, Najee, Najee, aka no layups. You guys will find out who that is. That's um, M, he's great, great NBA, great. He's great with the NBA content. Um, I am gonna have him on on the podcast very, 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 very soon. Next episode soon. So I can't wait to bring him on. But he pointed out the substantial growth of the Phoenix Suns young core. Guys like Cameron Johnson. The, 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 the substantial growth and this the natural growth of this of the Phoenix Suns young core. Also, many people don't talk about the acquisition and the free agent signing of Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder was also a, a they, like that was a big free agent signing. For the Phoenix Suns, he adds perimeter defense along with, you know, being able to stretch the floor. Also, Makai Bridges, one of the better three and D guys on the wing in the in the league now. So I think when you when so and also last year, Ricky Rubio last year as the point guard of the Phoenix Suns, he had a really productive year. Ricky Rubio had a really productive year. Now, Chris Paul obviously is an upgrade. 
That's why the Phoenix Suns are now a two seed, because when you factor in the coaching of Monty Williams, the, the a little bit of the Chris Paul effect where anywhere he goes, a team gets better. If you factor in DeAndre Aiden and his emergence, along with other young pieces to the Phoenix Suns emergence, with the star abilities of Devin Booker, then that's where you have a great regular season, and now you find yourself in a two-seed. So I think when you're adding context to the situation of, of you know, in, in regards to the Phoenix Suns' improvement this year, it's important to note the things that happened the year prior, which was last year. And you like and not only the bubble, but DeAndre Aiden missing games. Also, <clears throat> they were a they were an above 500 team. They were a decent team. They were a really good team from January on last year. So if you don't add those little nip and tuck details, then people you you have the narrative of the entire Chris Paul effect. And I'm not saying Chris Paul hasn't made the Suns better, but I'm just I'm just trying to calculate to what extent, though. Has he drastically made them better? Mm, I probably wouldn't go that far. Not with the stuff I just laid out. But has he made them a better team? Obviously so. But as I've mentioned, Ricky Rubio, point guard from, from last year, the Suns had Ricky Rubio. Ricky Rubio had a pretty productive year. Now, like I said, Chris Paul, that's where Chris Paul is obviously an upgrade. Chris Paul is obviously better than Rookie Rubio. So the team obviously will get better. But to what extent? Because is, is the Phoenix Suns improvement all just, just based on the Chris Paul effect? I would argue no. Now, does the Chris Paul effect have something, have something to do with the Suns improvement? Absolutely. For sure. I won't doubt that. Has Chris Paul made the Suns a better team? Absolutely. Because he's a he's a really good point guard. He's an all-time great point guard. But the the narrative of Chris Paul just taking if you're just gonna if you're gonna just stick with the baseline narrative of the Phoenix Suns being an absolute horrible team, and Chris Paul goes there and saves them and now they're a two seed. That is that's that's a bit incorrect when you're adding context, and I can be sometimes a victim of you know uh, Chris Paul because I like Chris Paul a lot. I think he's very I think he's underappreciated. I think Chris Paul is underappreciated, but I can even fall victim to the Chris the quote unquote Chris Paul effect. But when you peel back the layers a little bit, especially with the Phoenix Suns, you would you would then see that hey. This was a team that was a that was emerging and rising, but then Chris Paul just took it. They did. He, Chris Paul just took their emergence to the next level. He just he just accelerated it. How about that? He accelerated their their emergence and rising, but they were rising in the right direction anyway prior to Chris Paul joining. So yeah. So okay. So now that I talked about that in the Phoenix Suns and their improvement in Chris Paul. What did I see from the Phoenix Suns versus the Lakers? The Phoenix Suns played the Lakers on Sunday, Sunday night. And I was very intrigued to see this game because I went into this game thinking, okay, the Lakers have dropped a couple. Um, they played they, they play Portland pretty tough. Obviously, they didn't have enough to beat Portland. But Anthony Davis looked really good. So I was expecting Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis to play really good. 
and he did. He 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 dropped forty two. Anthony Davis looks fine now, and that's never been. And, and by the way, that's never been the problem. That's never been the question with Anthony Davis. Can he play? That's obvious. The talent is obviously there. The talent. It, it, you got to be. You got like you have to be blind to not see the talent. But it was just that. Can he stay healthy? That's that's the big question. But he did. He played well. He have he he dropped forty two in the Suns, and I'm thinking about Phoenix because Phoenix. I really like this team, and I had some high hopes for this team. But those hopes can suddenly change if they get the wrong matchup in the first round. And the matchup that I'm referring to is the Lakers being the seven seed and the Phoenix Suns being the two seed. And as we sit, like I said, the Lakers got like four more games left. They look like, unless they run the table and Portland drops a couple, then maybe the Lakers would move up. But it looks like the Lakers are going to be at seven, and obviously they would have to play in the play-in. But assuming that LeBron is healthy and Anthony Davis is healthy, I would assume that the Lakers make it out of the play-in tournament, and they have become the legitimate, like, the full-on seven seed. Now, that means Phoenix Suns be at number two. And it looks like, like I said, it looks like the Phoenix Suns are going to be at number two. So what we have here is a mat a playoff matchup that seems like oh two seven no problem for the two seed no 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 it is a big problem if the Phoenix Suns and the Lakers it's a big problem for the Phoenix Suns if the Lakers are the seven seed because this is no regular seven seed. <laughs> okay, this is no regular seven seed. This is the most dangerous seven seed. Remember last year. Remember when people were saying Portland, Portland was like the most dangerous eighth seed in the playoffs ever. Remember, remember people were saying that in the bubble. Well, this time it, it's literal. Like it's for real. The Lakers are the most dangerous seven seed ever that I could that I can remember. <laughs> if they if they end up the seven seed, they're the most dangerous seven seed that I've ever seen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So Phoenix don't want to see that team. Um because Phoenix and and, and it may be maybe you guys some of you guys think I'm reaching, but I saw a Lakers team that was the like just basically without any of their ball handlers. They didn't have Dennis. They didn't have Dennis Smith. Uh, Dennis Struder. I was gonna say Dennis Smith Jr. They didn't have Dennis Struder. Excuse me. Um, they didn't have LeBron James. Obviously, they didn't have Kyle Kuzma. And that right there, I mean, give or take, that's like 60, 70 points. <laughs> that's like 60, 70 points that did not play. I mean, and I hate to I hate to be this guy that calculates points and so forth, but. Like think about it, LeBron James or Dennis Smith or or Dennis Struder did not play. Dennis Struder or LeBron James did not play. Those are two of the Lakers' best ball handlers. They didn't play, and the Lakers kind of handled the Suns. Like Phoenix, they Phoenix made a late push in the fourth quarter. They cut the lead down to like I think it's like I think it was six. That's the lowest they cut the lead into. But after that, they really couldn't do much. So. Phoenix Suns, 
we we're gonna look at this matchup as like an upset if they if they meet and the you know the Lakers are fully healthy. We're gonna look at this matchup like an upset because it's a seven it's a seven seed beating a two seed, but it's really not a matchup. It's just that the Lakers were not healthy throughout the season. They they dropped in the standings. Um, they got a little nonchalant probably because they like. You know, we're the team to be, we're the champion. So it's like, you know, they probably got a little nonchalant. And I think if they meet up in the playoffs as, you know, if L.A. is the seven and Phoenix is the two, L.A. will win. I'm sorry. But the Lakers will win. Uh, Phoenix doesn't have anybody that can match up with LeBron. Um, They don't – they barely have anybody that can match up with Anthony Davis. So that's going to be a big problem. (laughs) That Like, newsflash, that's going to be a big problem. So I think that's going to be very interesting to see. Um, I'm I'm very curious to see how that plays out and how this seeding plays out. But Phoenix being at the two and the Lakers being at the seven, it seems like that's going to be the like the seeding. And if that is, if that if that holds up, boy oh boy, Phoenix better pray. That's all I'm gonna say. Phoenix better pray. That's all I'm going to say. Phoenix better pray. Okay. Um so we talked about that. Um I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to cap this thing off. I'm going to close it out. Uh, I don't cuz I don't want to hold just hold you guys any much longer. Uh because I I like I said I have guests coming on over the next couple episodes, few episodes cuz it's going to be a lot of playoff talk, a lot of NBA playoffs content. So hang in with me. I know people, you know, want to get into the playoffs, but I'm going to talk about the playoffs um on the next episode. I'm going to bring on a guest um we're gonna talk about the playoffs. We're gonna break it down and so forth. Because by then, by the by by then, we should know what is what as far as like who's in the play-in. You know the different seeding. Um, so some teams, certain teams have their seed locked up. Um, certain teams don't. So we'll see. Um, but <clears throat> I, I I want to touch on Aaron Rodgers really quickly. The Packers. So Devontae Adams, he came out because Devontae Adams, I think his contract ends this year. And he came out, he was asked about Aaron Rodgers and the future of the Packers. And basically, if Aaron Rodgers does not return as a Packer, Devontae Adams would probably leave. He would probably have to consider, you know, some some of the options. And (laughs) this is so... This is this is so predictable. Like, obviously, the obviously Devonte Adams superstar receiver is going to rethink and reconsider his options um, if Aaron Rodgers, his superstar quarterback, leaves. But it, 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 you know, with this, you know, with this whole Packers and Aaron Rodgers thing, and the fact that Jordan Love, I saw a report that. The Packers don't think Jordan Love is nowhere. He he still has a long way to go. I've seen a report where they would like they were saying Jordan Love still has a long way to go. It, it's just it's just very disturbing if you're a Packers fan. I'm sorry, but it got it has to be very very disturbing to hear some of these reports that's coming out of Green Bay because it's no hope at all. And think about it over the last twenty five. Years over the last 25 or so years, the Packers have always had great quarterback play. As as much as Brett Favre is a turnover machine, still a still a really a, still an all time great quarterback, right? Um, and then Aaron Rodgers, 
who's an all-time great quarterback himself. So the Packers have had two all-time great quarterbacks in the span of about 25 or so years. That that's what that's that's been that's been that's been what they have had at their disposal. And yet they still haven't been able to get free agents. Yet they still have been re- they still have been reluctant to spend money on free agents. They don't take big swings or big chances um, to put to better surround out those quarterbacks with uh, with better options, such as right now with Packers. I mean, we're watching it right now with Aaron Rodgers. So there's been years upon years upon years where the Packers should have and could have gotten better. Um, in certain spots, but they they chose not to. Um, so that's just been the story of the Packers. But then with Jordan Love, when you think about it, boy oh boy, the fact that the fact that he's still like there's reports that still says hey some pack some some people in the Packers organization says hey Jordan Love still got a long way before he can play. It's just like oh my goodness. I mean, and I know he was a project and. It was going to take some time, but Jesus, you can't. The Packers can't afford to lose Aaron Rodgers. You can't. The Packers can't afford to lose Aaron Rodgers. You can't. I mean, he's he, and that's why I've always said it always felt to me that Aaron Rodgers, like the Packers, needed Aaron Rodgers more than Aaron Rodgers needed the Packers. Now, like I said, I do think it, you know, between Denver and Green Bay. The Packers do give him the better chance of winning a Super Bowl, but the Packers don't do any, they don't do themselves any favors with the drafting of Jordan Love and him not panning out. But that's just an ongoing story that is just gonna I, I, we're gonna be less, we're gonna be paying attention to this story until September, like until something happens. But without further ado, I'm gonna let you guys go. Um, always remember two choices, one decision. As mentioned, next episode, uh, you know, these next couple episodes going to be playoff, playoffs, playoffs, NBA playoffs right around the corner. I'm very, very excited. Um, but hope you guys enjoy. Peace, adios, deuces, <laughs> gone. Thank you.